0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What a freaking MLB trade deadline. This may have been the wildest craziest deadline and full disclosure i'm beginning record it, beginning to record this podcast at 358 and 40 seconds so as this podcast goes on i may see trades as the deadline passes because you know we always hear it every year some deals are agreed upon before four o'clock but we don't hear about it till a few minutes after but my god i mean from top to bottom from yesterday to today This has been just an absolutely insane couple of days. The demise of the Chicago Cubs, the demise of the Washington Nationals, the New York Yankees last stand, the L.A. Dodgers clearly taking the mantle as the most evil bastards of them all, and the New York Mets making a deal. And I haven't even checked Twitter. Obviously, we have an off day today. I did get a lot of text messages bitching that we took today off. I'll get into that in a few minutes. But my gut feeling is that the New York Met fan is going to be mixed about trading for Javier Baez. That's my gut. Now, I'll give you my opinion. My opinion is it's a good thing. I'm not bitching about trading for Javier Baez. Was I worried over the last few hours that the Mets were going to be caught doing nothing? Of course. Absolutely. And even though it shouldn't, I think what the Yankees did over the last few days probably added more worry to me. Even though they never had a shot at them, the Los Angeles Dodgers bringing in Max Scherzer and Trey Turner made me worry. And I know that's not even rational because Zach Scott told us they had no shot at Max Scherzer. He didn't want to come to New York and the Nationals weren't going to deal him to the Mets. So how could I be pissed about not trading for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner when they realistically never had a shot? How could I be pissed about the Yankees getting Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo when those are guys that were never on the Mets radar, nor should they be. It doesn't matter. If you are a Mets fan and you're listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. There's that seed of negativity that we all have. Now, I never thought they just have to make a deal for the sake of making a deal. I never thought that. But what I did think going into this deadline is that night by night, depending on how the game went, my feeling, my emotion would change on what they need the most. The other night I did a podcast after they survived against the Braves. Michael Conforto made the play at the plate. And I said, get me Craig Kimbrell. Because Edwin Diaz is still a guy I don't trust. So all of a sudden the closer became the top priority. You watch Jared Eickhoff pitch. You watch Taiwan Walker struggle in the second half of the year. You have uncertainty about the health of Jacob DeGroma. Starting pitcher becomes your priority. But then... Despite how near healthy the Mets are now, their offense has been their most consistently biggest issue this season. So as we were approaching this deadline, and I said this on the radio the other day, I want all three. Go call up the Cubbies, get me either Baez or Bryant, get me Craig Kimbrell, and get me one of their starting pitchers, preferably Kyle Hendricks. Well, as you may now know, they got one of those guys. So let me start with Javier Baez. Javier Baez is a guy that, yes, is going to strike out a ton. Yes, he's not a huge on-base guy, but Javier Baez is a slugger. Javier Baez is a gold-glove defensive player, no matter where you put him. And initially, it's going to be shortstop. But eventually, if Lindor's back, he can play second base. And is a guy that we've seen can be a masher in the middle of an order. This season, and I've watched a lot of Javi Baez this season, Not uh, full disclosure on why, uh, he was my first-round pick in my fantasy league. And while he does have 22 home runs, and he does have 60-plus RBIs, and he does steal a bunch of bases, you know, 15 to 20 a year, he has been a strikeout machine this year, more so than ever before. And I can't tell you why. I mean, he's leading the world in strikeouts. Javier Baez will make the Giancarlo Stanton fan uh, blush when you talk about strikeouts. And is this his best season of his career? No. Back in 2018, he had the best year of his career. Almost had a 900 OPS, hit 35 home runs, drove in over 100 runs, stole 20 bases. And while he struck out a lot, it wasn't at the pace he's at now. With that said, you're adding a productive middle-of-the-order bat. As far as Pete Crow Armstrong is concerned, he was out for the year. Was he a prospect for the future? Sure. He was not one of the guys I circled and said, I can't trade him unless I'm getting someone who, A, is a super super superstar or a guy who's going to be here long term. But honestly, between Baez and Chris Bryant, I wasn't really preferring Chris Bryant, and I'll tell you why. The short-term gain in Javier Baez is the fact that he could play shortstop. That's the, that's the, that's the positive. No, because we don't know when Lindor is coming back. If you trade for Chris Bryant, as good as Chris Bryant is, and look, we could sit here and analyze Bryant versus Baez all day, but one of the most important things about Baez is that you get Baez, he's your shortstop to Lindor's back. So your infield is J.D. Davis at third, Javier Baez at short, Jeff McNeil at second, Pete Alonzo at first base. Not bad. And now you've upgraded yourself in a major, major way defensively in the short term because Jonathan Villar and Luis Guillerme, and Guillerme is a really good defensive shortstop despite that shaky night last week, but Baez is all world. Bryant was going to be a guy who if you brought in, you're displacing J.D. Davis. You're not playing Chris Bryant in the outfield. The Mets are set in the outfield. So the short-term gain in Baez, to me, is significantly better than the short-term game in Chris Bryant. And it's not about comparing the two players, it's comparing the positions that they play and the fact that adding Bryant meant displacing J.D. Davis. Right now, unless the Mets are making an absolute last-second deal, which they're not, J.D. Davis is here, and what you've basically done is replaced Javier Baez over Jonathan VR, who's hit a wall recently. Javier Baez over Luis Guillerme. That's what the Mets have done in the short term. So I want the Mets fan to think about it that way. We're just talking about Baez. I'll get into the pitching in a second. And I'll also explain why why we were off today because I was getting a lot of crap for that. Um, Think about it that way, though. That's why I'm happy. Am I ecstatic? Am I throwing a party? No. And I'll tell you why I'm not. has nothing to do with Javier Baez. The New York Mets upgraded themselves offensively at the trade deadline in a significant way. I don't know how you could argue that. Now... Look, the one concern you always have, and this wouldn't have mattered if it was Baez, if it was Trevor Story, if it was Chris Bryant. What are they going to do for the next two months? Yohannes Cespedes was a golden nugget in 2015. Yohannes Cespedes produced at an epic pace. I can't expect Baez to do it, but I do expect Baez to be a hell of a lot more productive than Jay Bruce was in 2016. So when you acquire a guy like a Baez, like a Bryant, like a Story, you could take those career numbers, you could take all of the analyzations we want to make, and the truth is you throw it out the window because you are betting on two months. That's what you're betting on. And again, with Cespedes, jackpot. With Javier Baez in 2021, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? So offensively, if you are a Met fan who said this is the number one thing they needed to improve on because they were averaging 3.8 runs per game and then without Lindor for another month and a half, then you should be happy. Because Baez, Story, Bryant, to me, they're all on the same level. If they had traded for Trevor Story, the biggest concern we'd all have is the course Field Factor. You know that. We'd be talking about that. Plus, we'd be worried about, okay, when Lindor comes back, how does that work? There is no worry with Baez. We have seen Javi Baez play second base. We've seen Javi Baez play third base. We've seen him. He can do it. He publicly said to a Puerto Rican newspaper, the one place I'd re-sign would be to play alongside Francisco Lindor. So from that perspective, he was the best fit amongst Story and Chris Bryant. And even Josh Donaldson because he's a third baseman. So offensively, I, I'm, I'm excited. The Met lineup is better today. And as far as what happens when Lindor is back, look, if J.D. Davis is sitting 380, J.D. Davis will play. If Jeff McNeil is actually healthy and hitting, Jeff McNeil will play. We worry about that when Lindor is back. So to me, don't worry about it. Your infield is now set. J.D. at third, Baez at short, McNeil at second, Alonzo at first. Now let's get to the bad stuff. Because there is bad stuff. The New York Mets, to me, needed to add another bullpen arm. Specifically, because Craig Kimbrell was out there a top-line reliever. And if your answer to me is this, but Edwin Diaz is so good. You know, they they don't need to add a closer. They have a closer. Look at Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz this, Edwin Diaz that. I'll ask you this question. The Chicago White Sox, who are 60-43 and and in first place in the American League Central and a much safer bet to win the American League Central than the Mets are to win the National League East, just traded for Craig Kimbrell. Their closer is Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks this season, Liam Hendricks last season, and Liam Hendricks in 2019, far superior to Edwin Diaz. Not even close. You want to compare Edwin Diaz in 2018 to Liam Hendricks in 2018, of course. We know how great Diaz was in Seattle. But when you look at what Hendricks did in Oakland over the last two years, And what he's done so far this year with the Chicago White Sox, leading the league in saves, pitching to a great ERA, uh, he's better than Edwin Diaz. And yet the Chicago White Sox, who have a pretty good bullpen to begin with, went out and said, wow, we have a chance to get Craig Kimbrell. Let's not F around, let's do it. So don't tell me the Met bullpen is fine. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me, but they've got Seth Lugo. But Familia's been good. Dude, the Chicago freaking White Sox, who are in first place in the American League Central, who are eight games up, they are a mortal lock to win that division. They already have a bullpen with Michael Kopech, who's ridiculously dominant, with Liam Hendricks. They went out and said, let's go get Craig Kimbrel." You're already talking to the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs were your answer. The Cubs were your answer to everything. And I I know Kyle Hendricks probably wasn't available. He wasn't traded at the deadline. I get all that. But that would have been the message. Go get me those three guys. Go get me Hendricks, Kimbrel, and Baez, and I'd be having a party right now. But they didn't. They didn't add any arms to their bullpen. Now, they did add Trevor Williams. And here's the perk of Trevor Williams of the Chicago Cubs. He's better than Jared Ikoff. There you go. I just said it. That's the positive. He's better than finding a guy off the street when you're desperate for a start. But the truth is, Trevor Williams ain't any good. And by the way, same thing for Yankee fans, because I'll get into them in a little bit. Andrew Haney's not any good. But the perk of Andrew Haney is that he's a breathing Major League Baseball player, so in case of emergency, and the Yankees have had it recently, but Nestor Cortez has done a brilliant job of stepping up, and for my money, should stay in the rotation until a Luis Severino or Corey Kluber is back to take a spot. Because Cortez is better than Haney right now. But what Haney and Williams are, they're human beings that can pitch. That's what they are. Rich Hill, a little bit better than Trevor Williams. In fact, I'd say much better than Trevor Williams. So did they add overall at the deadline two starting pitchers? Yes. Are any of them guys that should be in this rotation when they're fully healthy? No. No. Because if Taiwan Walker is half as good as what he was before the All-Star break, if Marcus Stroman is Marcus Stroman, With Carrasco and DeGrom supposedly coming back. We know Carlos is on Friday night. Jake will see. And with Trevor McGill, or Tyler McGill, I should say, having a ridiculously good year, there's your rotation. Rich Hill's out of the bullpen. Trevor Williams is out of the bullpen, which is fine because you need pitching depth. I'm not complaining, but none of these guys are that impactful. None of these guys is Jose Barrios. That's an impactful middle of the rotation guy. So as I sit here today, I'm I'm happy about Javi Baez. I'll argue with any Met fan who downplays the acquisition of Javier Baez, but they did not do anything when it comes to their bullpen or it comes to an impactful starting pitcher. They offered themselves very little insurance in case Jacob deGrom misses more time, in case Carlos Carrasco has a step back, in case Tyler McGill's not that good, in case Taiwan Walker's hit a wall. They didn't do that. And that part's disappointing. And a part of this is that Stevie Cohen has set the bar really high. And I admit this. And so guys like myself have set the bar really high for our expectations. It happened during the offseason. During the offseason, we expected the Mets and Steve Cohen to do incredible things. And even though I think he did in trading for Francisco Lindor. And some of the smaller moves have looked pretty good. Jonathan Villar has been a good bench piece. Kevin Pillar has been a good bench piece. I think James McCann's been okay. Taiwan Walker's been great until his last few starts. The expectations were so high, there were a lot of Met fans that were disappointed. Deadline's the same thing. They added Javi Baez. It's fine. I'm excited about Javi Baez. But there was a bar of, well, maybe they'll get Craig Kimbrell. Maybe they'll get Rocio Iglesias. Maybe they'll go get Jose Barrios. And they did. Now, when I look at this division and I look at Milwaukee and I'm going to put them together, and the reason I'm going to put Milwaukee together is the New York Mets are very, very lucky, not just because they're in this garbage NL East, but because the way things are falling they will not have to play a gauntlet of San Diego, San Francisco, L.A., two of those three teams to get to a World Series. They're going to have to play one of them. The way things are setting up, if you follow the standings, and I'm sure most people listening to this are, is that two of those three Western Division teams are going to play a wild card game. The winner is going to face the other Western Division team in the Divisional Series. That's it. So all three of them are going to cannibalize them before you get to the LCS. So it's this. Win the NL East, beat the Brewers or Reds to win the NL Central. That's it. And no offense to Milwaukee and no offense to Cincinnati and no offense to anybody in this NL East. And look, the Braves and Phillies made attempts to get better. They may not be high-profile deals, but the Phillies improved their rotation and improved their bullpen today. They picked up Kyle Gipps and they picked up Ian Kennedy. They got better. The Atlanta Braves added outfielders. They got better. No doubt, Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall are major leaguers and has improved Atlanta's outfield. They're trying. They're not the sexy moves like the Giants getting Chris Bryant or what the Dodgers did in acquiring Turner and Max Scherzer. But both those teams made an effort. They made an effort to get better. But right now, it's almost like you're looking at a bracket. The National League East and then whoever wins the Central. And then look, if we're sitting here in a National League Championship Series against San Francisco, LA, or San Diego... (laughs) we'll take our chances. We'll be so ecstatic to be there. We won't care. But it's true. Think about it. That's the way things are mapping out. All the action out west. All that action. And there's been a lot of it. San Diego bringing in Adam Frazier last week. Daniel Hudson the other day. The Dodgers doing what they did for Scherzer. For Danny Duffy. For Trey Turner. Amazing. It makes me sick, but I respect it. And the Giants at the last second swooping in and getting Chris Bryant. And there's some other things. The Cardinals got John Lester. So I guess they're sort of still going for it. There's actually a lot of other things. Hansel Robles got traded to the Red Sox. Kyle Schwarber got traded to the Red Sox. I mean, there was so much stuff over the last two days. Freddie Galvis is going to the Phillies. I just saw that. Jake Marisnik is going to San Diego. A lot of stuff. A lot, a lot of stuff. But the truth is... What happened out in the National League West is irrelevant. I know the Mets play the Giants a bunch of times. They play the Dodgers a bunch of times. So, yeah, when you go head-to-head with those teams, those that's when it matters. But as far as, you know, kind of figuring out that roadmap to World Series, it's only one of them. It's only one of them. But this trade deadline is disappointing, and maybe I'm being irrational. Maybe my bar was too high, but I'm disappointed because I thought they needed more. I thought they needed a big arm out of the bullpen, and I thought they needed a better starting pitcher than acquiring Trevor Williams and even Rich Hill. Rich Hill I have no issue with. I liked it when they did it. They needed depth guys like that. Don't get me wrong. I guess I just wanted better. Now, I want to be rational. I saw what the Blue Jays gave up for Barrios. It was a lot. They gave up a lot for him. I acknowledge that. And I also acknowledge that Max Scherzer was never realistic. So who was the guy I wanted? Usually it's guys that weren't traded. Jonathan Gray would have been great. I would have been happier about that. Rocky's never dealt them. Can't force him to deal them. I don't think I would have loved Jay Happ. I'd have been made fun of from Yankee fans. And oh yeah, enjoy Jay Happ. Jorge Soler to the Braves. So the Braves have made some efforts, man. I give them credit. They've gone for it in that way. But what a day. What a freaking day. But I want to remind you this. And with Rizzo for the Yankees and with Baez for the Mets. Because those are two guys, obviously both from Chicago, but both are rentals. At least that's what we think. Is there a chance the Mets re-sign Javier Baez I think there is a chance, especially because he said he's open to playing second base. We know the Mets can't stand J.D. Davis' defense, and now you set up your infield for the next bunch of years of McNeil at third, Lindor at short, Baez at second, Alonzo at first. And could the Yankees re-sign Anthony Rizzo? Sure. The problem is you're committing to glaber Torres at shortstop. But here's the deal with these two guys. We are going to judge them based on two months. So every stat you look at, every baseball reference page you eye, It's all coming down to two months. That's it. And in the Yankees' case, it's a little bit more complicated because the odds are, no offense, the Yankees' best-case scenario is being in a wild-card game. And you got to win that wild-card game. So in Rizzo's case, it's not only what do you do in the next two months, it's how do you do in that one game potentially against the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland A's or whoever they play. Baez, same thing. That's what we're judging him on. That's why even though Yoenis's end with the Mets was so bad and that contract turned out to be bad, from a rental sense, it was such a great trade. It was such a great trade because for two months, he was awesome. But the truth is with the Mets, it's not just about Baez being awesome. It's about guys in this lineup led by Michael Conforto performing at the level we know they're capable of performing at. If Michael Conforto can get hot, Pete Alonso is already there. If Jeff McNeil can stay on the field, and yeah, you get production from Javier Baez, and the guys are already there like Brandon Nimmo and Dom Smith. This Met offense is capable of being significantly better than the garbage we've seen over the first few months. So it's more than just Baez carrying them. This is not a Baez needs to carry them kind of thing. It's a, yeah, you want Baez to be productive. You want Baez to stay on the field. He's had a couple of nagging injuries this year too. Recently, you keep an eye on it that maybe it's the Cubs saying, hey, we're trading him, so we got to be really extra cautious. But now it's about, all right, what are you going to do for the next two months? And the other thing that sucks now about this trade deadline, I know everybody loves the fact there's only one deadline. But what was great about the past is that July 31st would pass, in this case, July 30th. And you say, well, I could add a reliever later. And the Mets have over the years. Yankees have over the years. Addison Reed came after July 31st. Not that this worked out, but Guillermo Mota came after July 31st. Now you don't have that. This is your roster. These are the guys. This bullpen of Seth Lugo and Trevor May and Jairus Familia, and led by Edwin Diaz, and Aaron Loop, who's been awesome, that's your bullpen. You ain't adding anybody. So there you go. As far as the Yankees are concerned, man, I think if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be pumped up with what Cashman was able to do. And maybe it's the opposite of the Mets in that the bar was low. That because the Yankees were having such a disappointing season, and I certainly felt this way, and I was dead wrong, I didn't think they would be as active as they were. And while playing the gymnastics of staying under the luxury tax, which they managed to do, credit to Brian Cashman, not that any Yankee fan celebrates that, because you don't care about being over or under a luxury tax, they were able to add two left-handed bats to this lineup that has made this lineup, at least on paper, significantly better. As far as Rizzo long-term is concerned, the problem with Anthony Rizzo long-term has nothing to do with Anthony Rizzo. The problem with Anthony Rizzo long-term has everything to do with two guys, Giancarlo Stanton and Glaber Torres. If you are locked in with an everyday DH, locked in the way Stanton has been, then you kind of lose that versatility of, well, I'm still going to go get a shortstop. I'll play DJ at first. I'll have Glaber at second. i I'll D- Or I'll play Rizzo at first. I'll DH DJ. Not that you'd want to. He's good defensively. Or I'll DH Glaber. You don't have that luxury when you're locked in with a DH, but more significantly is the Glaber factor. If you don't think he's a shortstop and I've lost all hope that he is a shortstop, then you're going to go get a shortstop, whether it's Javier Baez or Trevor story or Corey Seager, whomever it is. And then you're moving Glaber to second. And then naturally DJ goes to first. Now one option on the table is, and maybe you'd do this because you'd be so good defensively anyway, is to go get that shortstop, move Glaber to second, and move DJ to third, and trade Gio Urshela. Now, the Yankees have gotten through this deadline, and they haven't traded Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is also not healthy. But what this does is put even more pressure on Giancarlo to play the outfield because Joey Gallo is capable of playing center field. Joey Gallo is a gold glove caliber outfielder. Left fielder I get. But you can literally have an outfield of Stanton, Gallo, and Judge. You can DH void, play Rizzo at first. I mean, that's a that lineup is sick. When you roll that lineup out 1 through 9, think about what that lineup would look like. You could go DJ leading off, Judge 2, Rizzo 3, Stanton 4, Gallo 5, Glaber 6, Sanchez 7, Voight 8, G09. That's if Stan can play the outfield. So keeping Luke Voight does make that very, very, very interesting. Very interesting. What a deadline, though. Oh, my God. My head hurts from all of this. Now, as far as the off day is concerned, Craig had no care in the world about the trade deadline. It was never even brought up where I, I guess screwed up. I mean, I don't even think we screwed up because look, it's the summer. I'm doing a podcast anyway. It's all right that we took a Friday off in the summer, but I get it's the trade deadline. A lot of craziness going on. It is cool to be on the air during breaking news. Joe and I had that moment with the cesspit trade. And even Craig and I had it yesterday with the Anthony Rizzo trade, but full disclosure, when we were going through the days to take off and I saw Friday, July 30th, I forgot that they moved the deadline to July 30th. I really did because it's July 31st. That's the baseball trade deadline. So to me, the trade deadline was on a Saturday. And I didn't even realize it was the 30th until about a week and a half ago. And just never thought about, hey, should we work? Should we change our schedule? So that's the honest answer. Because I think if it was the 31st, I probably would have said, ah, maybe we should work that day. And we probably would have, but I completely forgot about it. I thought it was the 31st. So my bad. I had a lot of angry messages about that. You know, how dare you? What the hell's wrong with you? This is the trade deadline. It's a derelict of duty. You're a schmuck. It's Craig's fault. You let him do it. A lot, a lot a lot of stuff. And here's the way I look at it. I'd rather just do a podcast anyway. <laughs> you know? Get a bunch of downloads. Then go back to playing out with my son who wants to play baseball all the time. I told him the Mets traded for Javier Baez. He has no idea who he was, but he was excited. Seemed pumped up. So overall, I feel all right about adding Baez. I'm excited about adding Baez. I'm pumped up to see his Met debut. I assume that'll be Saturday night at Citi Field. But yes, lackluster when it comes to improving this team with another significant arm in the rotation and with a big arm out of the bullpen. Craig Kimbrell was my fantasy. Craig Kimball was my dream. And now he's in Chicago with the White Sox. It's amazing how easy it is And this has happened over the years, how easy it is for the Cubs and the White Sox to make a trade. But there you go. All right, so there's my trade deadline edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Craig and I will be back Monday at 2 o'clock, and we will work all week long, baby. Enjoy your weekend.